This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This is the Place, a podcast series from The Common Magazine on the New Books Network. The Common publishes literature and art with a modern sense of place. I'm Emily Everett, managing editor of the magazine and host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Priyanka Sacchetti about her essay, Oman is Mars, an Alien All Along, which appeared in a portfolio of work from the Arabian Gulf in issue 22 of The Common. Priyanka Sachetti is a writer and poet based in Bangalore, India. She grew up in Oman and was educated at the universities of Warwick and Oxford in the UK. She has been published in many publications with a special focus on art, gender, diaspora, and identity. Her literary work has appeared in many literary journals, such as Baron, Parentheses, Jaggery Lit, and The Lunch Ticket, as well as various past and forthcoming anthologies. She's currently working on a poetry and short story collection. Priyanka Sachetti, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. This is such an honor. Would you set the scene for our conversation? Just describe where you're, where you're living and calling from now. Sure. So um, I'm in Bangalore, India right now, and it's um, close to 8.30 p.m. And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to speaking. Great. I would love to start off with a, a reading from your essay. Would you read the first few paragraphs for us? Sure. The first time my husband visited me in Oman years ago, he peered down from the plane window and received his first glimpse of the landscape an undulating palette of browns, beige, mauve, and grays. This is Mars, he thought to himself, Mars on Earth. My husband and I were still getting to know each other at this point, so I just politely smiled while listening to his words. But the truth was that I was secretly offended. Mars for me then was merely a distant red barren planet, and my husband calling my beloved landscape my home for more than two decades, Mars, did not sit well with me. We got married months later, and I learned that my husband had been following the Mars mission for years. I too began to learn more about our neighboring planet, soon to become a potential site of human habitation. I watched the film The Martian and read more about the discoveries of water that had flowed there once upon a time. And most importantly, much to my husband's bemusement years later, 
I would learn that NASA scientists identified the southern deserts of Oman as geologically similar to the Martian landscape, eventually making it the site of a month-long Mars simulation 2018, the Ahmadi-18 mission. But all that was to come later. In that moment, I did not like him calling Oman Mars. Thank you for reading that. For our listeners who, who may not have read your piece yet, would you describe what the essay is about? Sure. So the essay is basically about, um, you know, uh, I think the first, uh, my thought was, you know, um, how could my husband have called, called Oman Mars? I thought it was such an absurd statement. And then as I started to think more about it, um, uh, I mean, he sort of had the last laugh when it, um, and they said the southern deserts of Oman were actually considered to be the ideal place for a Mars mission um, simulation <laughs> due to geological similarities. Um, and the piece, and I started to think more about my relationship with Oman through the lens of geology, um, its landscape, and my childhood obsession of collecting rocks. And it also got me thinking about the way I relate to Oman now, um, since I no longer live there. I moved um, away from Oman um, over nine years ago. And all the other places that I've lived in um, the fact that I feel I do not belong anywhere and that I am an alien wherever I go. So that's great. Yeah. Th- thanks for that. Were you working on this, this piece before the pandemic started or, or did it evolve during that time? I, I just, I asked that because there's a section in the essay that sort of deals with, um, being stuck in, in America during, during the pandemic. Sure. Um, so actually, um, I started working on this essay in response to um, a call by Common Magazine for the Arabian Portfolio. Um, I think it was around this time last year. Mm-hmm. But beforehand, I had written many essays um, regarding um, my yearning for Oman, what Oman means to me um, as a home slash homeland, um, as a third cultural kid. Uh, and my disas- increasing disassociation with India over the years, um, which, I mean, when I, I earlier considered myself as Indian, but I no longer related to as such. So I've been writing about all of these things, um, but I think it was in this essay, um, I, was, I wrote at length about these ideas. And I also feel that um, there is a part in the essay where I, as you said, I meant, um, I was stuck in um, the United States because um, uh, the international flights to India were um, banned and um, I could not take expa- um, flights for uh, Indian citizens because I was no longer an Indian. And so that made me think more and uh, again and again as in what is home? And where do I belong? Do I belong anywhere? And it really brought it um, forth very vividly. And I guess at that time, very painfully, because I was stuck. So this essay starts with a section about your childhood interest in collecting rocks, uh, you, you know, an obsession that you described it. And it, it's a great look at what it feels like to be a child when you're sort of falling in and out of different interests and finding ways to fill your days and to pursue the, these sort of limited parts of the world that are accessible to you as a child. But it's also a really close look at Oman in terms of the geography, the weather, what you might 
encounter on a walk there, under a rock there, what it, what it feels like to be there. Uh, so I was wondering what it was like to go back to those things in your mind and sort of recreate that experience for the reader. Sure. So as I mentioned in the essay as well, um, my parents permanently moved from Oman a year ago. Um, I usually visited Oman once a year. And now due to the pandemic travel restrictions, um, Oman only recently opened its borders. Um, I haven't visited almost for almost two years. So I always say I'm in a state of homesickness, but um, what with the pandemic slowing time down and giving a lot more time to contemplate and remember, um, I found I found myself missing Oman even more than before. So for me, um, writing this was a way of, you know, thinking of times I hadn't thought of for so long, conjuring up what were very, you know, like um, content childhood memories and, you know, just remembering what um, made Oman special for me. That's that's great. Yeah, definitely. It, you know, it feels like that. It feels very vivid. This this essay includes uh, quite a few quotes scattered throughout, um, sort of all about how Oman looks and feels like Mars from various sources. Can you t- talk to us about deciding to include them in the first place and then sort of where you sourced them from? Sure. So um, when I was researching more, so when I came up with this idea for this essay that Oman is Mars, um, um, which was basically like the framework for this essay, um, I started researching more about this month-long Mars simulation in the southern deserts of Oman. And I came upon all these articles, um, which gave me further insight into how and why they chose Oman. But, you know, there were also these quotes, oddly enough, uh, mirroring, echoing what would become the definitive strands of this essay, of rocks, Mm -hmm. of disorientation slash alternative way of feeling adrift and home. So given that my essay was predicated upon the ideas of Oman being Mars and the literal and figurative feeling of being an alien, I thought it would be an interesting way to structure and frame the essay using these quotes. Um, So yeah, they were just basically sort of like you can say structural markers. Yeah, I, I do think they really add that, that the alien feeling that, that you're talking about feels sort of, you know, distant and, and, and odd. Yeah. I really loved this feeling in the essay of being a little adrift in the world. Like you mentioned, like, like your ties to so many different countries mean that you end up feeling almost stateless, like you don't belong. And this idea is something that comes up a lot in this portfolio of work from the Gulf. Um, and I was thinking you are actually the first writer we've talked to on the podcast from that Arabian Gulf portfolio. Uh, so I was wondering if you could just for our listeners who might not know very much about the area, talk about why so many people who live in the Gulf don't actually feel like they belong in the Gulf. Sure. So um, for me, of course, I'm going to speak um, personally for myself. Um, I think of course. the thing for me is uh, for me that I was on, I'm only there. I was only there temporarily and that I was, I didn't quite belong there because I was meant to belong somewhere else. So, I mean, of course, that's another question as to where do I belong? But what I do know is that even though I consider Oman my home, my, you know, slash homeland, um, it's not where I permanently belong. And this has got to do with the feeling. Um, so we are always, I always think of myself, I always thought of myself um, as an expatriate. 
And expatriate uh, by nature is, you know, they don't live there permanently. They move on somewhere else. And that's how it was for like, you know, so many people I knew and um, childhood friends or friends afterwards, you know, they moved on. Um, so I don't know if I'm quite being able to convey um, this feeling of um, what it means to be um, this feeling of unbelonging. It's just something that is like innate. And, um, you know, you can acquire citizenship and you can uh, lay your roots down there, but it was not an option that occurred to me. So mm -hmm. hence, I did not feel I could legally belong to the country. Yeah, that's interesting. It seems like, uh, yeah, that a lot of people go there for a certain part of their lives, like to work or something like that, but you're not usually beginning or, or ending your, your life in the Gulf. Um, and I think, you know, there are a lot of Gulf states where you're not eligible for citizenship, even if you live there your whole life. So I think that that also leads to this feeling of, of statelessness for some people. Yeah, that's right. So at The Common, we often work with writers on edits before publication, and, and I'm sure you also did extensive edits on your own before even submitting this. So I was just wondering what, what that process looks like for you. Like, how different is this version from, from the first draft? Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, there is a lot of, I would like to say I'm very grateful to the, um, the editors for their um, edits, suggestions, questions, thoughts. Um, they've truly made the essay what it is in its current form. And for me, it made me ponder deeply about what it is exactly that I was trying to convey in this essay. Um, Emily, I would like to just say um, a little bit more about the feeling of adrift, um, which ties yeah. in with the revision aspect as well, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, yes, please. So I, I've always felt like adrift both on a personal and larger level. And I feel that I never fitted in a place or group or community as such. And the lack of a cohesive cultural identity, if you could say that, further betrays a feeling. Um, so I think this feeling of being adrift used to be a lot more uncomfortable me when I was younger and still trying to figure out my place in the scheme of things. Um, however, the older I become, the more I accept all the complexities that make up what I am, and I'm getting okay with the situation of being adrift. <laughs> so I feel returning to this essay and how it evolved, it was also a, uh, while I was editing and while I was um, receiving all these wonderful and generous suggestions, um, it was also a way of um, reconciling with this feeling of being adrift and sort of learning that in the process of um, revising and um, uh, reach and achieving the essay in the form that it is today. That's great. I'm, I'm really, I love hearing that. We love working on pieces at the common, like the editorial part of things is, is, is the fun part for all of us. So I'm glad that it was enjoyable for you as well. <laughs> That's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was. And um, I'm uh, once again, um, it, it's, it's always in, it's interesting to have an idea, but um, and like such as this, like Oman on Mars on paper, but, you know, to flesh it out, to explore it further and to, you know, because there are a lot of strands going on in the essay. So to sort of like weave them together into the, you know, sort of like the, the flow that it, the, you know, the way the essay is flowing now. Um, so definitely I was very grateful for all of that. That's great. 
So I know you write poetry and stories in addition to, to nonfiction, and it seems like you also write a lot about art. So I'm wondering if you're also an artist. Um, so I do create art on the side. Um, it's morely, mostly for pleasure, um, or I, um, I share it on my Instagram account. Um, so for, for a long time, one of my um, Instagram usernames was called I'm Just a Visual Person. Because at heart, that's what I really am. I think in images and try to convey what it is that I see through, whether it's through the medium of my words or, or my art. And I feel working in all these different genres and medium greatly enriches my writing because there's a, there's a multiple, there are multiple ways of responding to whatever it is that I see and experience. And um, so sometimes if it is in words that I cannot express, I turn to photography or I will turn to like painting or collaging. But I love the fact that there are multiple ways of presenting um, what I've seen rather than just one way of conveying my vision. Yeah, I love that too. I think that I saw you've done some uh, visual poems. Is that what we call them? Uh, yeah, so uh, it's just something like, um, so last year during the, um, I think during the pandemic, when I had a lot more time, I turned to paint. I mean, I was working a lot more on my painting and I thought, why not combine my words and mm. um, art? And um, I'd recently encountered visual poetry on other um, platforms. So yeah, um, that was that was very um it was something I'd you know, like to explore further um, at length. Yeah, I, f- I find them very, very interesting. And I feel like it's like, you know, maybe there aren't so many differences between art and poetry or painting and poetry. Like those feel similar to me. Right. That's that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, poetry for me is basically, for me at least, it's, you know, bottling up a moment um, or uh, for me, poetry oh, and nice. photography work that way. I often call um, my, for me, a lot of my images that I take are visual poems as well. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. So always the last question is just us wondering what you're working on now and, and what's next from you. Sure. So I'm working on starting to um, compile a poetry manuscript, which is something that has been long overdue. Um, So I used to write a lot of poetry when I was younger, and then I stopped writing it. And then around four and a half years ago, I started writing it a lot more regularly. So I feel that, you know, um, it's time to maybe bring it together in form of a book. Um, I also write short fiction. but it's something that I've been, um, I haven't been as regular as I've been with my poetry or creative nonfiction. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely um, maybe in the future, um, I would like to write, I would like to work um, on the short story manuscript as well. That's great. Those both sound, sound wonderful. Priyanka Sachetti, thanks so much for joining us. It's been really great to talk with you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, thank you for this opportunity and uh, space. Yeah, thanks for making time to talk with us. Listeners, you can read Priyanka's essay, Oman is Mars, and subscribe to the latest issue at thecommononline.org.